The reading is from Luke chapter 18, verses 9 to 14. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. I consider myself a good uh, British citizen. But during the Six Nations, something happens to me. <laughs> There's something deep down within that comes to the surface that lies dormant the rest of the year. And when those men in green come onto the pitch, um, something just takes me over. And I must say, when the, when the men in green break through the English defense, there is an indescribable joy. <laughs> Sadly, this year we had to leave it to the men in red, but they didn't let us down. Some may uh, question my claim to be British because of that, and maybe rightly so. And if you add to that um, Lord Tebbit's cricket test, I don't just fail because I support the wrong team, I fail because the game itself completely mystifies me. I catch a few seconds at the end of the news and I think, how does anyone actually watch this? And uh, I'm told that some games actually go on for days. <laughs> and then there's the fact that every time I open my mouth, it's fairly obvious that I don't come from the home counties. And you add all this together and some may, with good reason, question, is this man a charlatan? Is he, is he, is he really British at all? But then I have, I have this, my passport. And in here, this is what it says. And, and it does have my photograph in it. It says that Her, Mad Her Britannic Majesty's Secretary of State requests and requires in the name of Her Majesty all those to whom it may concern 
to allow the bearer to pass freely without letter, hindrance, etc., etc. So, to those who may challenge my Britishness, I say, actually, it matters not, because no one less than Her Majesty's own representative has declared that I am British, and none of you can take that away from me. No one less than the Queen's representative. Cultural sociologists refer to these kind of markers that make us that set apart an ethnic, a national, a political, or, or religious, or maybe some other groups as being boundary markers. Things that define us, and within those boundary markers, they define us as to who we're part of that group, we're part of that ethnic group uh, or religious group. And the more that, that I, the identity of that group is under pressure, the more important those markers become. And that's why they're so strong in Northern Ireland. That's what this story essentially is all about. Who is in and who decides who's in. That's what the story is about. Luke helpfully explains why Jesus told the story at the first verse, it says it was addressed to those who were confident in their own righteousness. Luke fills us in with this bit of background. Luke tells us that Jesus was addressing people who were confident that their boundary markers qualified them to be part of God's people. That he says, is what this story is about, and that's why Jesus told it. So for this particular Pharisee, and it would seem for many of the other Pharisees, what marked them out as belonging to God's people, as belonging to God's elect, were the law, the Torah, circumcision, food laws, and other markers as laid down by God that identified them as the people of God. They were confident in their own righteousness. They were confident in their own boundary markers as being qualified to be part of God's elect. It's interesting to note, isn't it, that all of what they believed was entirely orthodox, orthodox practice. All boundary markers actually laid down by God. That's important, and we'll come back to that. But in contrast, the tax collector stood at a distance, would not even lift his head up, beat his breast, the breast and the heart, or the heart being the seat of sin. So therefore, as a symbol of grief or contrition, he beat his breast and said, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And then the story ends by Jesus giving his commentary on the story. And he says that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. So Jesus says that the true people of God the true manner in which God's elect 
are marked out or where there is true penitence. Where there is true humility before God, that's what marks out his people. That's God's boundary marker. And that's what marks us out as being part of God's elect. And it is possible, therefore, to be very knowledgeable about orthodox Christian belief and practice. It's possible to have all the outward badges of orthodoxy and yet fail to grasp this. So we need to take careful interest in what Jesus is saying. It's possible, too, to come to Christ as a penitent sinner, to receive him, to get it right, and yet over a period of time to become a self-righteous Pharisee. Sadly, the path from penitent sinner to self-righteous Pharisee is a well-trodden path. Our journey of faith will at the early stage involve coming to Jesus as a penitent sinner. There is no doubt about that. And we commence a new journey with Jesus and we realize that to work out in practice what that means, we become part of a community of faith, a local church. And how that evolves into an understanding of what worship in community looks like and how it becomes, how we, it evolves into an understanding of how we perceive issues on which Christians differ will in, be influenced by many things. It will be influenced by our upbringing, our personality type, the church in which we have come to faith within, family, friends, the way that we've been taught to, to read and understand the Bible, and perhaps some experiences of life, and some of them may be quite painful, all shape and mold us as to how we see the world and how we see some of the rather difficult issues that we face. And yet all too often, we seem to have an irresistible urge to put down boundary markers and to give those boundary markers increasingly increasing importance. Protestant or Roman Catholic. The inclusion of those in a same-sex relationship or not, the use of the charismatic gifts, or not, these boundary markers can be defined from either side. The ministry of women in the church, or not, those who follow the traditions of the church, or not. And whichever side of these boundary markers we find ourselves, we begin to think, if we're not careful, that they're God's boundary markers. 
and we begin to think that we've reached that point of belief through a divine revelation, through purely reading the word of God as it's intended, and we've reached a conclusion that only, could only reach that conclusion. And the ever-present danger is that we begin to see ourselves in relation to those who are the other side of those markers. Rather, and, and, and we become defined by ourselves within those markers, rather as fellow sinners before God. And we lose, fact, we lose sight of the fact that we stand beside such people equally in need of God's mercy. Of course, these issues are important. Of course, they're important. Of course, we need to approach them prayerfully and carefully and try to reach some sort of conclusion. But the story makes it abundantly clear that God's elect are to be found where there is genuine penitence and a a genuine casting of oneself on the mercies of God. I find this challenging because when I read the Gospels and I come to a, a story like this about the Pharisees, the Pharisees in my mind are always someone else. There's always someone who comes to mind or some group that comes to mind and I think to myself, they're so Pharisaic. They're just, those people are just like these people in the story. (laughs) It's always someone else. It might not be quite as explicit as thanking God that I'm not like this man over here or one of you. Maybe not quite. But if I'm honest, it can come perilously close to that. One of the challenging aspects of this story is that the Pharisees were conducting their religious practice purely as God instructed. They were entirely orthodox in their belief. Such was their zeal that they went beyond what God instructed. So they were zealous and they were orthodox in what they did. In a moment, we come forward to receive bread and wine. One of the prayers that we sometimes use, I don't think we're using it today, is the prayer of humble access. And some of the words seem to come from this particular story. We do not presume to come to this year table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. That's the basis. That's why we stand and receive. And as we receive, we stand side by side with people who may have very, very different views on some of these issues. We stand side by side with them. And we stand together as sinners equally in need of God's mercy. That's where we stand.
The differences remain. They don't just go away. But if we stand alongside each other as sinners in need of God's mercy, it puts those things into context, doesn't it? We're equally in need of God's mercy. And as we return to the Lord, we receive the promise that he will have mercy and he will freely pardon. The most amazing and comforting part of this story is Jesus' comment right at the end. The tax collector, he says, went home justified before God. What does that mean? In those days when someone stole from you, you didn't go to the police. You went and you, uh, you, you took your case against that person and it was heard before the judge. So the judge heard your side of the story and your evidence and the other person was there to give their defense. And the judge took a decision. And if he found in your favor, he justified you. He justified you. You were declared to be in the right, to be righteous, to be vindicated. Jesus said that man went home justified. Not before the local judge. He went home justified before God. Isn't that immensely comforting to us? That as we come to worship this morning, as we come forward to receive bread and wine, God be merciful to me a sinner. We are go home justified. I don't know if some of the views that I have on some of those subjects are right or wrong. I hold views. I'm not absolutely sure if some of them are correct or not. But I stand before God this morning and I declare, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And I receive the promise along with you that he will have mercy and he will freely pardon. The tax collector went home justified before God. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. Amen.